Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. And a big thanks to Heartbeat sponsor, Paul Smith's College, the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon. We're on the eve of the World Championships, a singular competition where the best in the world will gather in Oberhof, Germany. Today, Heartbeat talks with a relative newcomer to the elite biathlon ranks, Tara Garrity-Motes, as she finishes up final training in Antholz before heading to her first biathlon world championships. The Vermont native is actually no stranger to world championships. In 2015 and 2019, she competed in the FIS Ski Jumping World Championships. Then in 2021, just two seasons ago, she took part in the debut FIS Nordic Combined World Championships. As the reigning Nordic Combined season-long World Cup champion two years ago, Garrity Motes made a decision to come back to biathlon. Her first season and a half has been busy competing in the IBU Cup, European Championships, and even getting some World Cup starts this season. Tara's story is fascinating, so let's head to Antholz for a conversation with Tara Garrity Motes on the eve of the World Championships in Oberhof. It is the eve of the World Championships coming up in Overhoff over the next few weeks, and it is the final days of the U.S. Biathlon team's training camp. They have been basing in Antholz, Italy, getting in some final training before heading up to Overhoff. And with me uh, today in the evening, her time very late, uh, on the day before they are heading to Overhoff, Tara garrity And Tara, great to have you on Heartbeat. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I always love chatting. Well, you you were actually on our Ski Jumping and Nordic Combined podcast, uh, Ticket to Fly, a few years ago. We're going to talk about the transition that you've made from Ski Jumping and Nordic Combined to come back to biathlon. But uh, I know it's the last day of the training camp in Antholz. Uh, give us a little sense of what's been going on there, what's the weather been like and the atmosphere before you head up to Oberhof. Well, um, as I mentioned before, we started chatting. Um, I joined for the second part of the pre-world championships training camp. And it's been a real winter wonderland here with lots of new snow and some cold temperatures, lots of sun. And the past few days, a lot of challenging wind, which has actually been very good for us to train in because Oberhof is also known for its very windy conditions. You know, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to train there. The uh, U.S. Biathlon team coach, Armin Alcantaler, is from the Valley there in Antholz. How, how important is it for you to train on trails like they have in Antholz, where you're on some of the best biathlon trails in the world? Um, it's always really important to train at high-quality venues, um, World Cup venues that have challenging range approaches and challenging trails so that when we do get to the World Cup venues, we're prepared. So let's just uh, set the stage right now. You're heading up to the World Championships. You qualified objectively with your results at the Open European Championships in Lenzerheide, Switzerland recently. Give us a little update on where things stand. I know you don't have a start spot yet. You may, uh, but you did make that team. And give us a little 
sense of, of, of maybe a little bit of accomplishment because you're only a couple of years back now into the sport and you're heading to the world championships. We're going to run through your career in a bit, but, but just give us a little preview of what it means to go to the world championships as a part of the U.S. team. Well, whatever sport, it's always a, a huge honor to represent my country at world championships and be a part of the team that's, that's selected. The other thing that's a little bit of an anomaly, and I, I know this is this is one of those statistics uh, and a pretty unusual one, but uh, if you do get a startup in Oberhof, you will be the first athlete to compete in a Nordic Combined World Championship, a ski jumping world championship, and a biathlon world championship. Kind of unusual. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's ever been done before. I guess, you know, maybe in 10 years time, we'll have to try to qualify for the cross country world championship. Well, well, we'll see where that goes. Uh, Tara, give us a little bit of your background. Uh, you had been in biathlon, jumped over to Nordic Combined and ski jumping, and then back to biathlon. But give us a little background on growing up. How did you get into Nordic sport, and where's the pathway taken you? Yeah, so I started to ski when I was about two years old in Vermont and just kind of naturally started in the Nordic program uh, at Fort Serre, which is also where the Dartmouth ski team trained at, at Oak Hill, and just really fell in love with the Nordic sports, competing, training with the junior groups, and and never really looked back. Uh, I started to ski jump at nine at Oak Hill and had a lot of success with cross-country skiing and ski jumping pretty early on. And then unfortunately had, you know, an injury as a junior ski jumper, which led me to take some time away from that sport. And during my time away from ski jumping, um, I did four years as a junior uh, biathlete as well. And you had some pretty good results along the way in biathlon too, didn't you? Yeah, I never, as a junior, I never really had consistent shooting training. Um, I went to some of the camps that Olga Shona ran which were incredible. And I, and I learned a lot from him, but uh, I was about 90 minutes away from a biathlon range at the time. So it was always a struggle to have consistency in that shooting training, but I had a good result at the junior world championships. I believe I came in 18th and I was able to be an exchange student for a year in Sweden and had a Swedish junior national title, I believe. So some good results, nothing, nothing very consistent though. Tell us about that uh, year that you spent in Sweden. Uh, there's a real culture of sport there. And how were you able to adapt into that? And what were the things you took away from that, from that year? Oh gosh, I took so much away from that year. I was attending the Soleftia Ski Gymnasium in Soleftia, Sweden. And maybe you have heard of Hanna Oberg or Anna Magnussen. Um, they were some of the people um, in the in the program at the same time as me. I think what I took away is the respect for the process of sport and how calculated and organized they were about high-level elite sport. They were very equitable with the opportunity they provided to all the students in the school and really left it up to the students to make use of the tools and opportunities open to them. And I think that allowed each of the athletes to flourish individually in their own way, which I think was really incredible. But also the the level of organization, whether it was 
the training theory and how we all learned how to work on our rifles and we all learned sports theory and we all learned how to write training plans for ourselves or for, for junior athletes. It was a very incredible kind of academic experience, kind of something that you in the U.S. would only apply to the academic world and academic sub- subjects. And how old were you at the time? I was 19 that year. Was the prime motivation to do this sport-related or just to get an international experience? I had always thought that being an exchange student would be a really cool opportunity, but I never really saw a way that I could do that and not compromise being an athlete. So this way um, enabled me to have an incredible uh, training opportunity and also be an exchange student. So that was something that I could turn down. Did you pick the destination? So I went there with a U.S. biathlon junior group for Swedish nationals uh, in the spring of 2011, I believe. And when we were there, uh, the headmaster, Kari Korpula, who was actually just retired from being headmaster there, said that if any of us were interested in attending for a semester or a season or more years, um, that's definitely something that he would be open to. And uh, I kind of asked for details and talked to my to my mom about it and um, made the choice to go. At the time, there were not that many juniors training in New England for biathlon at all. So this really allowed me an opportunity just to train with other biathletes. When you came back, what motivated you to get into or back into ski jumping and eventually Nordic combined? It's kind of complicated. I was really struggling with biathlon after I returned to the U.S., partly because I didn't really have a training group. And at that point in time, U.S. biathlon was sort of in a in a period where they didn't have a strong junior group. And also, I had a virus, and I didn't know I had a virus. So I was my ski speed dropped drastically. And I was really, really slow and tired all the time. And I had no idea why. I just thought that maybe I was overtrained or maybe had reached my potential as an endurance athlete. So at that time, I was training a little bit in like Placid and there was the nationals for ski jumping there that fall. And I kind of joined the national championships as a fun event and came in fifth place and then got invited to an international circuit by the ski jumping coaches. And that was an opportunity at that point in time that I didn't have in biathlon. So I decided to go the ski jumping way. I, I look back now and can't really understand how exactly that happened, but it happened. Well, and then the next thing that happened is you happened to, partly just because of the timing, Nordic Combined for Women was starting to become a thing. There were starting to become some events or uh, they added a national championship. So was was that a natural next step for you after, after that? I was a ski jumper um, on the World Cup for a good four years uh, before Nordic Combined uh, came along on the Continental Cup circuit. So I was thankful to really sort of develop as a ski jumper under Vasya Place and have a couple top 10s on the ski jumping World Cup circuit and go to world championships and fall in Sweden. I had a top 18 there. And really, I think that's where I developed as an international athlete and really learned how to compete on the world stage. 
What was that experience like going to the World Championships in 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 Falun? Uh, that was your first experience like that, and to to be on that big stage at the top of the jump. Uh, what's the what's the feeling for you as an athlete? It was incredible. It was only my my first winter competing on the World Cup, and I had no expectations of making the world championship team until I got that first top 10 on the world cup and realized it was a distinct possibility. So just to make top 30 in the world championships and make that second round of competition, I was just so excited. And that's when I first realized I really enjoyed the immense just pressure of an international competition. You know, it's just the weight you just feel on your, your shoulders at a world championships or when you're in, you know, a podium position at an international event. And it's something that I found really, really thrilling. And I think that's the first time I really realized how thrilling I, I found that experience. With the success you were starting to have with ski jumping as Nordic combined presented itself as an opportunity, was that a difficult decision for you to say, I'm going to change my pathway and go into Nordic combined? Or was, did you look at it as a really good opportunity at the time? I didn't really think of that it that way, I guess. I knew that I had the potential to be a good Nordic combiner because I was at a high level in ski jumping and I had been at a high level in cross-country skiing as a young biathlete and cross-country skier. And I also knew there weren't that many women's Nordic combined competitions at all. So I thought that I could do both ski jumping and Nordic combined. I never really viewed it as having to put one down and pick up the other, especially not when women's Nordic combined was first starting. So I think I just thought it was an exciting opportunity and something that I had kind of hoped would happen since I was a very little girl and been a cross-country skier and sea jumper. As you started to have success in Nordic combined, was it a necessity then to really focus on that and not not try to do both? Uh, USA Nordic made it a, a necessity, but physically, no, it was not a necessity at all. You had significant success in Nordic combined. Tell us a little bit about that, and then I, I want to, from there, we'll, we'll talk about your transition back to biathlon, but uh, for a couple of years, you were really the dominant athlete in that sport. Yeah, I was came along at kind of the perfect time uh, when Nordic Combined started, and it was an amazing journey to be part of the development of that sport and get to be on top those years. You know, I think... There was only one competition that I didn't podium in my entire Nordic combined career. And to be the face of the sport to that extent, especially an evolving women's sport, is a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort. Also really makes you realize that sport is bigger than just yourself and just your career. And I'm really proud of how I helped evolve that sport and also what I was able to do with just my career in those those couple of years. Yeah, it was it was really a spectacular period. It was impacted, unfortunately, by a whole variety of outside factors, including COVID, which really was disruptive of the schedule. And I, I know that you faced some tough challenges in making the decision to leave that sport when you're at the top of it and come to back to biathlon. But what 
What were some of the motivations that went through your mind to make that decision a few years ago to go back to biathlon and really make that your elite direction to hopefully have Olympic success? You know, it was a really, really tough choice to end my Nordic combined career. And I realized that the effort it took on a lot of different levels to be a Nordic combiner was not sustainable for me to be the person I wanted to be. You know, I was on the road 10 months out of the year. I had to do extensive fundraising and I could tell from my vantage point that the reality of women's Nordic combined getting into 2026 was a 50, 50 chance at best. And I understood how much work it would take, you know, with the media and with just the entire sport working together to even make that a possibility. And I think there were so many people who worked so hard and are still working so hard to develop Women's Nordic Combined. And I'm so grateful for all the help I had and everyone who helped the sport and me. But it wasn't something that I could continue to do at the rate I was doing. So I, I made the choice to end my Nordic Combined career. And then I was kind of exploring my opportunities of what I wanted to be after that. And for me, the immediate choices that came to mind were being a biathlete or being a marathon skier. And both of those choices would mean that I could train in Vermont effectively. So I could be home. I could be with my family. I could be with Sean. I could have a little more semblance of a life that was more grounded and connected. And that was something that I really wanted. So that's sort of the long answer to your question. No, that's great. Uh, Tara, do you, do you still follow Women's Nordic Combined? Do you hear from the athletes, be that the U.S. athletes or international athletes? Are they following you? Yeah, I mean, I made so many friends being a ski jumper and a Nordic Combiner, and it's such a small community and such a tight-knit community that I definitely follow a lot of those athletes on social media and, and stay connected with with friends and, and see friends, you know, when I'm training in Ramsau, I see Nordic combiners that I trained with and competed with, for example. So yeah, I, I don't think that will ever change. Well, we're going to talk more with uh, Tara Garrity Motes. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back on Heartbeat. We'll be right back with more from Tara in just a moment. As the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon, Paul Smith's college takes pride in the programs that it has established to offer athletes a college education as well as sports-specific training, all of it nestled in New York's Adirondacks. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's college is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. Paul Smith's College also played a major role in last month's World University Games as the Athlete Village for Biathlon and Nordic Athletes. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. That's paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's get back to Heartbeat with biathlete Tara Garrity Motes. And we're back on Heartbeat with Tara Garrity Motes on the eve of the World Championships coming up the next few weeks in Oberhof. Uh, I, I wa- want to talk to you, Tara, a little bit about your objectives right now. You've made that transition we talked about earlier in the podcast uh, from ski jumping, Nordic combined, and back to biathlon. You've been competing over the last couple of years on the IBU Cup, the Open European Championships. Uh, you actually got into the World Cup this year. 
as you're making this new pathway for yourself, how do you measure yourself? What are your objectives uh, in, in these competitions? And then segue that to what your objective would be in the world championship if you get a start spot. Uh, so, Tom, when you say the last couple of years, I think you mean last year. Last year was my first year back in biathlon on the IBU Cup. And like you said, um, definitely really new to the sport. I was just trying to get get the hang of things last year, you know, have some reasonable shooting percentages, have some good ski times, try to put them together. And last year, I definitely didn't do that consistently, but I saw signs that it could happen and, and definitely realized that I had potential in the sport. So that sort of showed to me that, okay, I, I can come back last summer and work hard and possibly have some real potential in the sport. Um, based on my results last year, the goals I made for myself this winter were to get IBU Cup points. I really didn't expect to be on the World Cup as much as I have been this winter. So that was very, very exciting. I did not think that I would make the World Championship team. So again, that was that was really exciting when I was able to perform where it really mattered uh, in, in Lenzerheide, uh, Switzerland during, during the final qualifications there. When, when you look at results, whether that's on the IBU cup or the time you spent on the world cup, are you looking at your ranking? Are you looking at percentage back in time? Are you looking at your shooting or is it some combination of all of those? But what do you look for when the race is over to kind of say, Hey, that really, that went pretty well for me, or I need to improve this. Well, there's so many aspects of biathlon that have to go right to have a really, really good race. And something that biathlon has really taught me is how to look at the positives in a race and also um, acknowledge the, the negatives and what you need to work on. Because for biathlon, and especially for someone like me who isn't as experienced, in most races, there'll be something that you really did by mistake or didn't go as planned. And in most races, there'll be something that was good. So this winter, I've really been trying to take the positives away from every race and also acknowledge the negatives and things that didn't go as planned and try to address those in training. And I think that's really helped me stay grounded and not worry about the numbers yet. I'm usually really a numbers person in terms of results, and I really enjoy enjoy moving up the ranks, but I don't think I'm really developed enough as a biathlete to have that be sort of the final say on how I feel about my my race yet. When you're training and getting ready for upcoming competitions, how do you balance the preparation for shooting and the preparation for skiing? Well, luckily in biathlon, you can do them at the same time, unlike in Nordic combined. <laughs> I think that I do still like to have trainings that are just skiing and keep the quality really high. And also, especially because I still feel the need to alter my skiing a little bit in biathlon races to keep the shooting percentages high. Meaning that if I were to ski absolutely all out um, and ski really, really hard all my laps, I don't think I would be able to shoot, shoot very many targets yet. I definitely think that's a stage I will get to in biathlon as I progress in the sport. But I think it's really important to to keep my skiing quality high and have some of those practices that are only skiing because of that. 
has has that factor of maybe having to slightly ratchet back your cross country in order to preserve yourself for shooting has that type of transition been something you've really had to work on yes i think that one thing i really really enjoy about biathlon is that planning a race and planning your strategy is very very important and one thing i've really realized this year is there are so many right answers in biathlon. Like you look at 10 different successful biathletes and they will have different types of race strategies or race plans and all be able to achieve very good results. So this winter has really been about finding what works for me. And I definitely had, you know, a period on sort of like the second half of the first trimester where I was trying new plans and they weren't really working. So I was seeing a lot of progress in training, especially with my shooting percentages, but it wasn't really showing in races because the plans that I was following in races were not working for me. And I was really proud that I found a race plan that worked for me in in Lenzerheide, Switzerland, and I'm excited to hopefully race in Oberhof and improve on that that base plan for me. Do you have any specialty event right now? Biathlon has a number of different events, uh, the sprint, the pursuit, the individual is different distances. Is there anything that's been a little bit more of a sweet spot for you since you've come back to the sport? I have had my best results in the sprint races so far. I actually really enjoy the individual race because it's longer. The concentration it takes to have four good shooting stages and be skiing well the entire race is something I really enjoy figuring out. It's sort of like it's a, it's a bigger puzzle, you know, with more pieces. So I haven't really cracked the code on that race yet, but I do really enjoy racing it. Let's look ahead a little bit, and I know this one may be challenging for you, and it certainly is premature to really look ahead to the Olympics in 2026, but you've just come off a training camp on what will be the Olympic trails for the 2026 Olympics in Milan Cortina, uh, the trails in Antholz. Uh What are your thoughts here? I mean, it's still a couple years out, and I don't want to push you on the spot, but do you, are, are, you, are you comfortable with how you're tracking right now with your return, that it's a, it's a, it's a realistic a possibility for you to challenge for a team spot in 26? I mean, I'm on the world championship team. So I think it's possible that I will be able to make an Olympic team, especially in a few years out. But, you know, I think I've told you before, whether it's ski jumping or Nordic combined, two, three years is a long time. And I just hope that I'm healthy and happy and enjoying skiing then. And We'll take it one year at a time. As you were skiing around in Antholz, uh, did you kind of look up in the mountains and have a thought that, wow, it'd be pretty cool to be back here in a few years? Um, actually, I was just thinking about like having been here a couple years ago as a Nordic combiner. And that's when Nordic combined was just starting. I came here for Christmas and it's just kind of crazy, you know, the journey that sport has given me through my life and all the amazing, you know, mountains that I've got to ski around and venues I've been to and people I've met. So I'm sure that journey will continue. And one thing it's really taught me is you can't predict where it will go. So I'm just trying to be as open as possible to wherever that journey takes me. 
One final section before we get to our uh, closing on target questions. Uh, you have made the transition from ski jumping and Nordic combined to biathlon. Uh, many others make the transition from cross country to biathlon. Just talk a little bit about what biathlon has meant to you as a sport and, 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 and maybe a bit of encouragement to cross country skiers out there that, Hey, maybe this is a sport that's worth taking up. So one of the things that I really enjoyed or enjoy about biathlon is the mental aspect. I think sometimes I draw too many similarities between ski jumping and biathlon because the mental aspect is so similar. You have to be so calm under pressure with both ski jumping and biathlon and you have to perform skills so consistently when so many variables around you are changing. And I really enjoy the mental focus that that takes. That being said, the fine motor that biathlon takes is very, very different than ski jumping. So there have been a lot of new aspects I've had to learn very quickly. But with the support that US Biathlon has given me and also the Craftsbury uh, Green Racing Project, I've really been able to do that and had more support than I have ever had in my entire career. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. As far as cross country skiers wanting to switch to biathlon, I think now is an awesome time. The U.S. biathlon is definitely actively looking for cross country skiers that want to switch over. And there are so many international start spots available to U.S. skiers. I mean, looking at, at Margie Freed is a great example of people, um, being able to have a pipeline to international competition very quickly if they show an aptitude to the sport and and work hard and enjoy the process. You know, I'm I'm glad you brought up Craftsbury, and let's just focus on that uh, before we close here. Uh, there are club programs around the country, and a growing number of them. Some of them right now, like Craftsbury, are having really an immense impact on the sport. You've been in that program for a few years now, but what are some of the aspects of that program that have really helped you as an elite athlete? I started training with Craftsbury when I was a junior and then had a bunch of years away um, and then came back to train with the green team these past three years. The level of consistent support at such a high level um, with Mike Gibson and Peppa Milosheva has really allowed me to bring myself to an elite level of skiing while not leaving Vermont. And whether it's the food or the venues or the detailed day in, day out coaching, all of those small, seemingly small things add up to just be an incredible high level of support. Cool. It is really a great program. Uh, Tara, thank you very much. We're going to close it out with our on target segment. I got a few questions for you just to wrap things up here today. First of all, did you have a sport hero? When you were a young girl growing up and getting into Nordic sport, a sport hero? Yeah, I would say Lindsay Van was definitely my sport hero. Lindsay Van and Keegan Randall. A couple of really good choices. Keegan Randall going on to win an Olympic gold medal. And Lindsay Van, the world champion in ski jumping back in 2009. Um, I, I can't do the math that quickly, but you would have been a junior when she won that world championship. Was that a really big deal for you as a young skier? That was a huge deal. Um, it was the first ever women's world championship in ski jumping and just to have 
have that opportunity open up to me and know that, hey, in a couple of years, I could go to world championships and ski jumping was incredible. Uh, how about a fun activity that you've done on the tour outside of biathlon this year, last year, whenever? Just something fun you've done outside of biathlon. Eating Kaiserschmarrn. Definitely finding finding fun mountain huts to eat Kaiserschmarrn in and go alpine skiing. Really incredible. Um, sledding is always a classic over here. Um, tobogganing on New Year's Eve, I think, has been... I've done it twice, and it's been incredible. Yeah, I think those are my two picks. Tara, I want to know, tell me one healthful aspect of Kaiserschmarrn. It's got a lot of carbs and calories, and I'm usually hurting for those come January. <laughs> so it is indeed a training food. Oh, for sure. This is great. I, I have to say, I just I just spent a week skiing in Austria in, in mid-January, and every night I debated, should I have the Kaiserschmarrn? I did avoid it. I had plenty of strudel, though, which was a good substitute. I'm How about a, debate that. That should not be a debate, Tom. We're going to have to work on that. No, we, we, you know, in hindsight, you're right. You're exactly right. I should have gone there. Uh, it was a vacation. So um, how about a favorite biathlon venue? Hmm. I really like Nova Mesto. The, the crowd there is really awesome. Um, I have friends there in Nova Mesto and the course is really fun. And if I'm not mistaken, you raced there as a junior, didn't you? I did. Well done, Tom. I raced there at my first ever junior world championships. How about a favorite ski jumping venue? I really like Bischofen, the big hill there. Uh, I really like how it flies and the feeling of the flight on that hill. But I think my favorite competition venue is Ramsau, Austria. Great. You did not compete on the big hill in Bischofen, did you? No, I didn't. It is nice to see that the women are starting to get a few more big hills. It is. It's really fun. I was watching Yuki last night in Billingen. She went 154 meters, and it was so incredible to watch. It was it was phenomenal. It's so cool to see the women finally being allowed to go really far. I mean, that's what the sport is all about, so it is good to see that. Last question, and I know he's in the room with you, but you've had a relationship with Sean Doherty from the men's team for a while. What's one important lesson that Sean taught you about biathlon? Oh gosh, there's so many lessons. So many. I think what I was talking about earlier of finding the positives from each race and not losing sight of the positives even in a bad race is something that I really struggled with. And he really helped me to realize how like finding the positives even in a really bad race improves you as an athlete and it's not necessarily sugarcoating or making things seem good when they're not, which is something that I've always been really annoyed by, but it's actually just a really professional good thing to do as you review your performance. Good advice. Tara Garrity Motes, thanks for joining us on Heartbeat. We wish you all the best. It's been great to see you uh, having followed your career in ski jumping and Nordic combined. It's great to see how you're doing in biathlon. Thanks for taking time this evening to join us. Thanks for taking the time to chat, Tom. Tara's had a fascinating career, and it's great to see her making progress with her return to biathlon. I just love her story as yet another example of the exhilaration that biathlon offers athletes, as well as the myriad pathways into the sport. And thanks to Paul Smith's College, the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon, for its support of Heartbeat. Check out more at paulsmithsbobcats.com. If you missed earlier episodes of Heartbeat this year, definitely check out the fun interview that we had with Fetty Fontana inside the Wax Room in Antholz. 
and you can watch all of the World Championship action streaming live from Oberhof. Check out links at usbiathlon.org and on our social channels. And remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Thank you.